Coming up today, it's the final Wired podcast of 2021, and that can only mean one thing. It's quiz time. You're listening to the Wired UK podcast, your essential weekly guide to all the big stories in tech, science, business and culture and quizzes. I'm your host, James Templeton, and joining me today are Morgan Mika. Hello. Anna Koala. Hello. Matt Burgess. Hello. Matt Reynolds. Hello. And Grace Brown. Hello. This was the week when judges in the UK upheld a US government appeal against a block on the extradition of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. The ruling makes his extradition more likely than ever. Assange is wanted in the US over the publication of thousands of classified documents more than a decade ago. It was also the week when the UK's mobile operators agreed a timeline to phase out 2G and 3G. The technologies will both be turned off by 2033, although some network operators are planning a faster phasing out of the systems. And on Thursday, the European Commission published a major new draft law in an attempt to overhaul the relationship between gig workers and the platforms that pay them. This is going to affect companies such as Uber, Deliveroo and Just Eat. If passed, the Commission estimates the new rules could affect up to 4 million people. And it was finally the week when a long-standing mystery about a suspected cat serial killer was laid to rest with DNA analysis. Between 2014 and 2018, more than 300 mutilated cat, cat corpses were found in London, leading to speculation there was a cat killer on the loose. But now an analysis of some of those carcasses has found that a clear link between the mutilated carcasses and fox DNA, backing up findings from the Metropolitan Police that humans are probably or definitely really not to blame but can we can we pin all of these cat killings on a single fox i'm afraid that the fox has been taken discussion we have to protect the fox's identity at this time no apparently all these killings happened in croydon and people think that them it might be a case of not all of these killings but a lot of these killings happened around croydon and people think that some foxes there might have got a little bit uh, a little bit bold, a little bit changed their behaviour, and it might be why they kind of focus there, and it, it might be a problem of humans encroaching on fox habitat. So we're not entirely sure which foxes are to blame, but it seems clear that this is not a, it's not a conspiracy among foxes across the, across the capital. As or a, is it? As a resident of Croydon during this time, it was actually truly terrifying. Um, but they did actually catch someone killing cats in Brighton, didn't they? Well, now I feel like I'm being put on the spot as cat crime correspondent. <laughs> yeah, well, I think what's interesting about this case is that um, it seems to be the case that the a lot of the cats died and then were later mutilated by the foxes. So some of the cats died of natural causes, some of the cats were hit by cars, some of the cats you know, died for other reasons, um, and then the foxes ate them, which is unusual for foxes, which is why this kind of caused this, um, uh, you know, the, these kind of worries, because people were seeing these mutilated corpses and thinking, well, that's weird, animals don't usually do that to, to cats. So actually, it's not the case that foxes were killing all of the animals, there's not it's not clear in how many cases foxes actually killed them, but it doesn't seem to be like that's the main uh, mode of killing. So it, it's kind of foxes coming upon the crime scene and then, you know, doing their foxy stuff and, and biting, <laughs> biting them, eating the cats. 
Well, uh, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, good to kick off the show with some uh, news of cat mutilation. I uh, hope that got you on the, in the spirit. Maybe what we learned this week will get people more in the festive spirit. Amit, let's start with you. I've got a cheery, cheery seasonal fact. I learned that mistletoe is a poisonous parasite. It steals resources from the host tree, and unlike most plants, it grows away from light rather than towards it to better kind of burrow into the trunks of its, its host. And its berries are toxic to humans, so uh, don't eat them. Very nice, very festive. Um, just to put you on the spot, so why then does mistletoe have this link to kissing and, like, romance? So, essentially, I think, basically, it, it, it harks back to the fact that mistletoe is one of the few plants that flowers during the winter. Okay. Um, and it's all tied up in kind of Norse traditions and things like that, and I can't exactly elucidate the link between that, the fact that it flowers in the winter and the, the romantic thing, but it's something to do with the Norse <laughs> traditions, basically. And not, nothing to do with the fact that it's a poisonous parasite that's toxic? Uh, no, I think that would probably be, if, if they'd known that at the time, perhaps they wouldn't have chosen it as sort of a, a romantic uh, plant. All right, on we go. Um, what festive thing did you learn this week, Matt Reynolds? So I learned that the song Jingle Bells is a Christmas classic. Well, I knew that already. But what I learned was that it was never written as a Christmas song. Now, the origins are kind of disputed, but it was probably written as either a Sunday school hymn in, 19, in 18, the 1850s in America, or it was composed as a drinking song, but it tended to be associated with Thanksgiving, uh, because obviously in lots of parts of America, in, in you know, northern parts of, of America, it does snow over Thanksgiving as well in, in November. And so it's always associated with Thanksgiving early on, and it didn't become undeniably associated with Christmas until much, much later, uh, in 1943, when Bing Crosby recorded a version of the song, and it sold millions, and then since then it's always been seen as a Christmas song. Thank you very much for maintaining the festive theme. Let's plough on. Grace, what did you... Not plough on, sorry, I didn't mean that. Uh, Grace, what did you learn this week? (laughs) Um, this week I learned that in Iceland they don't have Santa as we know it. They have instead a small army of what they call Yule lads, which take turns <laughs> visiting kids on the 13 nights leading up to Christmas. Um, so Icelandic children basically <laughs> leave a shoe out on the windowsill of their room and each Yule lad fills up with small treats uh, for children who have been good and old potatoes for children who have been naughty. Um, and each Yule lad has its own distinct personality. One of them is called a sausage <laughs> swiper <laughs> who loves to eat stolen, stolen sausages. Uh, another one is known as the Collie Cock who steals foam from <laughs> buckets of cow's milk. Well, there we go. The Yule lads. Well done for almost maintaining a straight face throughout the whole thing. <laughs> All right, last but not least, Morgan, what did you learn this week? Um, I wish my fact had a sausage swiper in it, but it does not. Um, But I did learn that every year a seasonal dispute breaks out between two Baltic states about which country invented the Christmas tree. So Latvia claims the first Christmas tree was a tree-shaped wooden candelabra decorated with dried flowers, fruit and straw toys. And it appeared first in its capital Riga in 1510. But their northern neighbour, Estonia, says that they actually invented the Christmas tree 69 years earlier in their capital, Tallinn. Um, They say their Christmas tree was actually a real spruce. Um, The mayor of Riga once gifted the mayor of Tallinn a Christmas tree as a reminder of the tree's origins, sort of low-key trolling. And Latvia's tourist 
Latvia's tourist board has rented billboard space in Tallinn, inviting Estonians to visit the tree's real homeland. I, I like the kind of the very high level to the the beef, even though the beef is broadly meaningless. Very good. All right, that's enough of what you all learned this week. But what did we all learn this year? It's time for the annual much loved or hated podcast quiz. If you, if you hate the podcast quiz, just skip the next half an hour and you can just hang around for what was in the podcast inbox this week. If you love the podcast quiz, then you can play along at home. 12 questions. Some of them are multiple choice. Some of them are closest answer wins. So get a pen and paper ready. Everybody who's on the podcast and everybody who's listening at home wanting to play along will read out the answer after each question and I'll be keeping score for these guys. All right. So let us begin. Question one. In January, a short squeeze resulted in a huge increase in the share price of the retailer GameStop. But how high did its shares fly? Was it a 5,000% increase, a 1,500% increase, a 500% increase, or a 20,000% increase? 5,000, 1,500, 500, or 20,000% increase? What do we think? Who would like to, to hazard a guess? Matt Burgess, your hand was straight up in the air. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go cause first because it is just a pure guess on this one. I, like, I obviously remember GameStop, but I don't think it was something that I really engaged with at the time. So um, I've just picked my favourite number out of these and I'm going to go for 5,000. That is not the right number. Um, who thinks they got it right? Who's more confident? Morgan, you look very confident. I might be wrong, but I feel like 1500 is chiming with me. It, it, it should chime with you because it is correct. Uh, did anyone else have 1500? Uh, Grace? Nice. No. Okay, so Grace and Morgan both get one point, and we will move on. Oh, sorry, um, I have uh, an additional fact to add. So the all-time high was $483 as of January 29th, 2021. And one surge in particular was seemingly triggered by Elon Musk when he tweeted Game Stonk, which was a reference to everything that was going on on Reddit at the time. Okay, question two. In February, the UK Supreme Court ruled that Uber drivers must be treated as workers rather than self-employed. Now, Uber, the company, was founded back in March 2009. But what was it called then? Was it called Uber Cab, Uber Taxi, Uber Alice, or Taxi To Go? Uber Cab, Uber Taxi, Uber Alice, or Taxi To Go? Matt Reynolds, your brow is so furrowed that I would like you to guess first. Yeah, this... Oh, this is difficult i'm going to say i really don't know this but i'm gonna say uber cab you might not have known it but you are right ah, that yes. is correct well done uh, a win for guessing <laughs> who else guessed that one right yeah i got that just matt and amit all right so one point for matt and one point for amit um matt burgess you uh, remain pointless at this stage <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah, this is a common theme for the quiz. <laughs> In keeping with tradition, question three. In March, the ever-given container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal, leading to memes aplenty and a global supply chain crisis. 
Now, we all know it's a very big boat, but how big was it in metres? Closest answer wins. Who would like to go first? Amit. Uh, 452 metres. 452. Uh, Matt Burgess. We're talking about length here, right, aren't we? It's, yes, yes. Yeah, not like height, okay? No. Um, I assume that was the case. Sorry. Um, yeah. I also ca- can't believe this was in March. It feels like it was like a few weeks ago. Um, now that I've stalled for time, I am going <laughs> to go with... Um, I have a recollection that it was like three or four football pitches long, so I feel like Amit's probably not far away. Um, so I'm going to say 378 metres. Okay. Um, Morgan, I'll come to you next. How many metres? I originally put down 400, but because Amit got quite close to that, I'm going to go with 450. 450 (sighs) metres. Matt Reynolds. I feel like we're all converging on a kind of a a range here. I put down 420 metres. 420 metres. And finally, Grace, how many metres? I thought, well, if it's higher, I might as well go higher. So I went for 500. 500. Um, so someone actually said the correct answer bang on, but then didn't give it as their actual answer. It's 400 metres, um, which means that the closest person is Matt Reynolds with 420. <sighs> Matt Burgess, you were second. You were 22 metres off. Um, well done, Matt Reynolds. Um, into the lead you go uh, with two points. Um, in joint second, it's Amit Morgan and Grace bringing up the rear with no points. It's Matt Burgess. But you were close, Matt. Very close. Okay. Question four. In April, Standard Life Aberdeen announced a new name. Aberdeen, but spelt stupid. A-B-R-D-N. And it's kind of reminiscent of 1990s tech speak. You know, LOL, TMI, all that sort of stuff. Um, This is a very, very loosely related question. So a simple question. In 1990s tech speak, what does T-I-M-E mean? Time. You each get a guess. What does T-I-M-E mean in text speak? Who's going to give the the best answer? Let's... Who's furrowing their brow less? Matt Burgess has his eyes closed. Amit, you look engaged. <laughs> I've got What's nothing. The answer? I've got nothing. You've got nothing. I've got no idea. Uh, hang on. Come back to me, please. <laughs> uh, I will come back to you. Um, well, of course, LOL um, means lots of love. No, only if you're David Cameron. It means laugh, at, laugh out loud. TMI is too much information. AFK, away from keyboard. Matt Burgess, would you like to go first? I don't have an answer, which is the problem. Um, so I'm going to try and make something up as I go. I think that's um, where, we're, where we're at right now. Talk in morning. <laughs> What's the word that begins with E? Oh, no. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give up. I'll go with T-I-M instead. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, it's okay. So we've got talk in morning. Um, does anyone think they can get closer? Can we have a clue? Um, no, that would be unfair after Matt Burgess has gone. <laughs> um, if if anyone could, so Matt Burgess has got one of the words right. Okay, um, so we'll, we'll go on whoever can get more than one of the words right. Wait, what if was not, Matt? 
Matt, what was your answer again? Talk in morning. Talk in morning. Presumably in is the word he's got right. <laughs> Couldn't say. Which doesn't uh, help us Emmett, out much. We'll come to you next. Uh, is it like, thanks, I'm... I know you said you got one of the words right. Uh, that almost makes it harder, talk, doesn't talk, it? Yeah. Uh, talk mm. in my ear. Okay. Um, so you, Amit's got two of the words right. Uh, Matt Reynolds. Uh, okay. So a- Amit, a- in fact, Amit got, Amit got two of the words right, and one of the words was the right kind of word, but the wrong part of the body. Okay. Um... Oh, I know what it is. Go on, then. Is, seeing as this, this question is impossibly hard. It's tear in my eye. It is. Oh, that's good. It's tears I... in my eyes. Did it, it, just had... to check, Morgan, Grace, or Matt didn't have that. I would never have got that. No, literally never. What did you have, Matt Reynolds? If you were like, I don't know, you were like, you worked for like a lord and they sent you an interesting fact, you might say, that's interesting, my excellency. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what it stood for. The 1990s were wild. (laughs) I said 1990s, not 1390s, but very good. Oh, no. Um, all right, so Amit and Matt Reynolds are in the lead with two points. Uh, then Morgan and Grace with one, Matt Burgess with none. Um, the next one is the drawing round. Um, there no artistic skill required. In May, the Delta variant, which back then was known as B16172, or more problematically, the Indian variant, started to spread around the world. Pen and paper at the ready. What I want to know is this. What does the uppercase Greek letter for delta look like? So just draw an uppercase delta, please. I'm going to have to hurry you, uh, mainly because um, silence is the enemy of good podcasts. So uh, if everybody has finished their drawing. Okay, so um, Grace has drawn a capital D um, in kind of Comic Sansy style. Um, Amit has drawn a triangle. Morgan has drawn... Morgan, could you explain that for us? <laughs> I actually think this is the ancient Greek symbol for 19, but it's the, only, it's the closest I, I knew of, so I just went with it. It's, very, it's a circle with a line in it. Uh, yeah. Matt, Matt Burgess, what have you got? Um, it looks like a play <laughs> button, but with a kind of blob around it and some lines. Yeah, it was um, meant to be a D with like a triangle inside. The I middle, see. But... Um, Matt Burgess, would you would you like to just turn it the other way so it's horizontal, so it's just a triangle? There we go. Yeah, very good. Um, Matt Reynolds, what have you got? I just went for kind of a, a D with a line through it. <laughs> I think yours looks the nicest, um, but Amit is correct. Um, and Matt Burgess is also correct if we're willing to give him a triangle because there is a triangle in it. Yep. There, there was yep. a nod from at least one person. Um, I knew that ancient had, Greek would pay off. You had the right, <laughs> the right element in that. Uh, yeah, it's it's a triangle. Technically, I think with one slide, one side slightly more heavily weighted than the other, um, but that is delta. All right, no more drawing. I promise. Uh, in oh, um, update on the scores, Amit is now out in the lead on three. Matt Reynolds in second on two, and then everybody else has one. 
Question six. In June, politicians in El Salvador voted to make Bitcoin legal tender in the country. In 2009, you could mine Bitcoin in a couple of seconds using your home computer. Today, you need a room of specialized machines worth thousands of dollars. My question then is this. And we're going to do multiple rounds until we've got one winner. So what I want you to do is to raise your hand if you think it's, well, 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 we'll work it out. Okay, so who uses more energy? Is it Google or Bitcoin? Who thinks it's Google? There was a half hand from Amit. No, okay, who thinks it's Bitcoin? Everyone's hand has gone up and you are all correct. It's Bitcoin. Seven times as much electricity as all of Google's global operations. Next. Who uses more energy, Bitcoin or Norway? Who thinks it's Bitcoin? Matt Reynolds has his hand up. Any other hands for Bitcoin? Who thinks it's Norway? Oh, oh, oh just there. Matt, Matt Burgess. Okay, so um, that's two for Norway. Wait, did I say Bitcoin or Norway? Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Bitcoin, cool. Who thinks it's Norway? Uh... Grace's hand has slowly gone up. There we go. Okay, yes, it is Norway, but only just. Bitcoin uses around 121.36 terawatt hours of energy per year. Norway uses 122.20 terawatt hours. Those figures were correct at the time that I hauled them out of a BBC article about Bitcoin's energy use. So we will leave the mats at this point and we will plow on to the next question. Who uses more energy? Bitcoin or Finland? Who thinks it's Bitcoin? Amit and Grace. So Morgan, you must think it's it's Finland. I do. You are incorrect. It is uh. Bitcoin. And remember, Finland is a nation of 5.5 million people. Well, I thought we might come to this. Tiebreaker. Closest answer wins so it's a straight shootout between amit and grace this is a bit of a confusing question and so bear with me how many container ships worth of double a batteries would you need for one year of bitcoin mining globally here's some maths to help you out okay so pay attention each container ship in this example carries twenty-four thousand containers and each individual container carries enough battery power to power the average American household for a year. So, how many container ships worth of AA batteries would you need for one year of Bitcoin mining? Closest answer wins. I'm looking for a number of ships. Who would like to go first? Wait. <laughs> okay, can I talk? Can I talk through my thinking? Yeah, talk, talk, talk through your thinking. How have you okay. got to your answer? So or... I might need some help with the maths. Um, okay, so you said one one container is one American household, right? Mm -hmm. Population of America is what three hundred million, um, right about. So, and you told us earlier that Norway is essentially equal to Bitcoin consumption for the year. Mm -hmm. So, if I knew the population of Norway, I would be able to. <laughs> then make a, a sort of estimate of that would you um, like to know the population of norway because i i i think, I, I think it's about 20 million but i'm not 100 percent sure i admire your dedication to getting this right um it's 5.3 million. Oh wow i was way off okay so uh that means that um there's 
a lot fewer households in Norway. So, okay, so if, if one container is an American household and there's about 150 million households in America, roughly if on average two people live in, that means you need 150 million containers for America. And if you divide that by whatever, 300 million divide by, I'm all over the place here. I've completely <laughs> gone off the deep end, by the way. Come back to me. <laughs> Grace, would you like to just give a number? Yeah, I'm just going to pick a random number. I didn't listen to anything Ahmed said. I'm going to say 32. 32 container ships. Okie doke. Um, Amit, would you like to finish your mathematical odyssey? Uh, no, because we could be here all day. I'm just going to say 150. Uh, you are closest. It's 385 ships. Um, I, I'd like to think that, that your maths helped. Um, maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but it is. Uh, but maybe, I mean, yeah, two hours later, I might have got something <laughs> close to that. But. Yeah, uh, 385 ships. Uh, thank you very much to Quartz for the maths on that one. Um, that means that Amit is on four points, Matt Reynolds is on two, Matt Burgess is on one, Morgan's on one, and Grace is on one. Question seven. In July, football fever gripped the nation of England as the national team reached the final of Euro 2020 in 2021, only to lose on penalties to Italy. But who was the most Googled English footballer in the UK in 2021? Multiple choice. Was it Harry Kane, Jack Grealish, Raheem Sterling or Harry Maguire? Matt Burgess, you've been quiet for a while. Who do you think it is? I'm going to go with Raheem Sterling. No. Um, who thinks they got it right? Amit. I, I put Jack Grealish. Correct. Did anyone else put Jack Grealish? That's who I put, yeah. I put him too. That's I put, it. I put Marcus Rashford, but he didn't turn up in the multiple choice. Yeah, me no, too, he actually. Didn't. Uh, Grace, I think your line is slightly frozen. Um, we'll, we'll give you a point uh, and wait for you to reconnect because um, I think she might have said Jack Grealish. Um, so Amit got that right. Um, Matt Reynolds got that right. Grace maybe got that right. And we'll see if her Zoom reconnects. Uh, and we will plow on to question eight. Amit's on five. Matt Reynolds is on three. Matt Burgess is on one. Morgan one. Grace possibly two. Um, and with a slightly ropey Zoom connection. Okay, question eight. In August, Geronimo, a stud alpaca enjoying the good life on a farm in Gloucestershire, was destroyed after testing positive for bovine tuberculosis. More than 140,000 people signed a petition in a bid to save Geronimo, with protesters gathering outside Downing Street and one attempting to spray a police officer with a water pistol. It was a dark, dark time for this country. But here's the question. Where was Geronimo born? Was it Peru, Somerset, New Zealand or Gloucestershire? Have a bit of a think. Peru, Somerset, New Zealand or Gloucestershire? Morgan, what do you think? I think it's between Somerset and Gloucestershire, and I'm going to go with Gloucestershire. All right. I'm not going to say if that's right or wrong. Did anyone else have Gloucestershire? Matt Reynolds with the hand up there. Amit, what did you have? 
No, I did, and I've got Summers- shit. I, I withdrew. Oh. I thought you were going to say, did anyone have a different answer? Did anyone Sorry, at your... Matt Reynolds, go on. You had a different answer. What was your different answer? Well, I seem to remember that the issues with Geronimo stem back from tests that he had when he was imported from New Zealand. So he was tested when he came to New Zealand, and I think it was those tests that came out positive for TB. So unless he had emigrated from Peru to New Zealand and was a, a globe-trotting um, alpaca, I think it's New Zealand. It is New Zealand. Did anyone else have New Zealand? Me. Grace did. There we go. So it's a point for Matt and a point for Grace. Well done to you both. Um, so that's five to Amit, four to Matt Reynolds, three to Grace, and one to Matt and Morgan. So it's all still to play for as we head in to the next question, which is question nine. In September, politicians in Scotland voted overwhelmingly in favour of trialling a four-day working week in the country. But when was the five-day working week invented? Kind of in inverted commas there. And this is specific to the US, but it's sort of around this time in most places in the Western world. Was it 1824, 1892, 1932, or 1949? 1824, 1892, 1932 or 1949 when was the five-day working week invented grace what do you think um i wrote down 1949 which i'm now thinking is wrong has anyone got a different answer matt burgess i uh, well i didn't actually write down the right i didn't write that out in the date that you said but the highest one in the 1800s um 1892. 18, yeah, that's the one. We're still looking for a correct answer. Who would like to try? Yeah, Matt Reynolds with the half hand I said up. 1932. You did, and you are correct. Did anyone else get that right? No. Sneaking up here, Matt Reynolds. Joint <laughs> lead now. You are on five. Amit's on five. Grace it's is on. Again. It's happening again. You're going to throw it away in the in the <laughs> I'm bottling it. in the final fifteen. Um, Matt Burgess on one and Morgan on one. Okay. In October, I struggled to think of a good question for October actually, so I've just thought of a random one, especially for Matt Burgess. What is the size of the One Ring in the Lord of the Rings? How big is the ring? Are we talking diameter, right, like circumference? You can give the answer however you like. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Do you mean um, the ring as it was filmed, like the actual prop of the ring, or like how is it meant to be? Mm, yeah, if, how, is it, how big is it meant to be? Right. Like, just finger size, probably. How big is a finger? <laughs> So you're going to go. You're going to go for finger sized. No, 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 that's not my answer. I'm going to. Wait, I, I, I don't. I've actually not seen Lord of the Rings, but I guess it's a Hobbit finger size. So I think it's a little bit less than human finger size, maybe. So, okay. Which would be. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's Amit's taken off a ring to try and work out how big a ring is. Uh, Amit. <laughs> Uh, I put, should I, should I put my guess now? I put one centimetre in diameter. One centimetre in diameter. Would, would anyone like to offer another guess? 
I put three centimetres. Three, yep. Matt Burgess? I'm just going to say giant, that's all. Giant, just a giant (laughs) ring. Yeah. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Grace? Um, Well, there are actually standardised ring sizing charts. So I, and they're in letters, so I I wrote down J. J. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. Um, Oh, sorry. Did Matt Reynolds have I not asked you? You you just said ring sized. I put 90 millimetres, but I'm really Hmm. interested to see how you kind of negotiate between giant and J as (laughs) as I guess there's some interpretation there. Um, So everybody got this right. It changes size depending on the wearer and magically expands and contracts accordingly. So the ring is whatever size you need it to be. There you go. So everybody gets a point. So Morgan moves on to two. Amit moves on to six. Matt Burgess moves on to two. Matt Reynolds moves on to six. And Grace moves on to four. Well, can I just ask, Matt, why do you need a giant ring? Can you show us your hand? I never thought they were giant hands. It was more of a reference to the filming when they did close-ups of the the ring. It was actually giant in some of them. So they made a really oversized version. Uh, good. I'm not sure if that um, that outtake ever made it into the podcast, but we spent about 20 minutes earlier this this year laughing at Matt Burgess explaining how giant the ring was. So that's why that question is there. Moving swiftly on before I lose it again. In November, Wired's very own Matt Burgess wrote about the strange events surrounding a Swedish school app. Now, in the UK, a Swede is a root vegetable used in stews. But what is it called in America? Is it a turnip, a brassia, kale root, or rutabaga? Turnip, brassica, kale root, or rutabaga? Does anyone feel like they know this? Matt Reynolds with a tentative hand. Well, I feel like... What was the first one you said? Turnip. It's not a turnip, because turnip's different, so that would be silly. And then the second one you said was brassica, which mm-hmm. I guess is just the broad family that stuff like kale and broccoli comes from. So I think it's between the other two. And of the other two, the only one I've heard of is rutabaga. So that I've chosen that. Did anyone else put rutabaga? You're all right. Everybody gets a point. Yes. Um, so it, it's actually quite confusing, and there's a very good and thrilling Wikipedia entry on this very thing. So a Swede is really only a Swede in certain parts of the UK. Other places, it's a turnip or a Swedish turnip. Um, And in in the US, it's a rutabaga. Um, So one point for everybody, which means that Morgan moves on to three. Amit is on seven. Matt Burgess is on three. Matt Reynolds is on seven. And Grace is on five. Um, And we will move on to... Question 12. The final question, unless we need a tie break, which I have prepared. Some preparation to go into this pub quiz, podcast quiz. In (laughs) December, Google published its annual year in search report of the most Googled terms of the past 12 months. As part of that, it also revealed the most popular questions In the UK, the most popular question was, is Facebook down? Followed closely by, is WhatsApp down? And then there's things about, like, when will lockdown end or how to book a vaccine appointment? But confusingly, sixth on the list was 
where does vanilla flavoring come from? So that's my question. <laughs> where does vanilla flavoring come from? And you get a bonus point if you know why this was such a popular question. So have a bit of a think. The sixth most Googled question in the UK last year, ahead of quite a few of the big things that you think people might have been asking about coronavirus, was where does vanilla flavouring come from? Matt Reynolds, as our resident food expert, would you like to hazard the first guess? So I hopefully I'm not completely off piste on this. I think vanilla flavouring comes from like badger anus glands. <laughs> Is that right? You're not That's... completely off piste. Um, <laughs> did, did did anyone ha- else have anything to do with with anuses? Yeah, I thought I was worried I was going to be completely off the mark here as well. But I've put anal glands of a rodent. Of a rodent. Yep. Um, anyone else? Did anyone else go down the gland path? I went down the country path. I thought it was from Madagascar. Mm, mm, sure. Um, Quite different uh, answer. Yeah, <laughs> glands are going to get you the points here. Um, Matt Burgess, any, anything gland related? No, nothing at all. Um, Grace? I just wrote vanilla part. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is where vanilla comes from, but not vanilla flavouring. Um, so it's, it's a synthetic version of vanillin, which is the compound that's found in vanilla beans. And it's typically derived from wood bark. Um, ish, which is what gets us to glands. Um, so Matt Reynolds, you had badger. Yeah, yeah. Amit, you had rodent. Um, if you both get this right, we need the tiebreaker. I don't think it's fair at this point to distinguish between badger and rodent, even though it is a beaver. <laughs> what's closer which yeah which is technically a rodent um but i'd rather go to the tiebreaker yeah. for the drama <laughs> okay. um so well done to you both um it's beaver butts so it turns out that if you google where does vanilla flavoring come from i mean this was um sparked by someone finding this on tiktok and telling people to google it and film their reactions you're quite likely to come across an article explaining that a goo comes out of beaver's butts that can be used for vanilla flavoring the goo is known as castorium i think i've said that right and it's used by beavers to mark their territory and it's vanilla-y because of what beavers eat they eat trees and we get vanilla flavoring from tree bark there or thereabouts and it turns out that you can milk this flavoring from beavers but you don't tend to use it for flavoring food um one because it's very difficult to harvest and two because they don't produce enough of it so it's mostly used in certain candles and perfumes you will find vanilla butt goo um beaver butt goo vanilla flavored beaver beaver butt goo so there we go um that leaves us uh to 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 the tiebreaker question 13 um matt and amit as i think it's been a couple of times now inseparable in the quiz so it's a straight shootout to decide who wins um grace you came an honorable second third um matt burgess and morgan you were um next with three points each which is very respectable um, because this quiz is always far too hard and i apologize so question 13 how tall is elon musk in feet and inches closest answer wins take a minute to think about it he's actually tweeted the answer to this 
whether or not we want to believe him. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of chat about how tall Elon Musk is online. Some people claiming that he wears shoes with, with very big soles um, or maybe often stands on, on raised platforms. Um, but he claims he is the height he says he is. So that is the answer we're going to give or use rather. So, Amit, as you were in the lead for most of that um, before Matt Reynolds' 93rd minute equaliser, <laughs> what do you think the answer is? In feet and inches, how tall is Elon Musk? Uh, I have put five feet and ten inches. Amit's gone for five foot ten. Matt Reynolds. I think he might be shorter than that. I really don't know. I went for five foot seven. Um, I won't reveal the answer just yet. Um, d- does anyone else want to hazard a guess? I think if it's a point of dispute, maybe he's claiming to be quite tall, so maybe it's like six foot on the stop. Six foot. Um, Matt Burgess, how tall is Elon Musk? I think he's going to be shorter than what Amit said. Uh, I'd go five nine, so a tiny bit bigger than what Matt said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Grace? I was also thinking 5'9". Ooh. Yes. Actually, is he whatever size you want him to be? Is that the answer? <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct answer. Well done. You win the quiz. <laughs> no, um, actually, you lose the quiz. He's 6'2", oh. uh, which yes. means that Amit is the champion. 5'10 uh, is closer to 6'2" than five foot seven um if you now go away and google how tall is elon musk there are lots of very um uh detailed discussions about the height of elon musk even though he tweeted about it he is allegedly six foot two there's only one way to find out you must find elon musk and measure him and then you can truly claim this victory amit and only then will you I be... I have actually seen him in person, which helped. Um, I saw him give a talk once, so I had that in my... But did you, did you like, sidle that. up to him, sort of back-to-back and try and get a... Yeah, I do that with every, every talk I give to. <laughs> I try and sidle up to the speaker back-to-back at least once. Yeah, work out how tall they are, um, just in case it ever comes in useful. Well, it did come in useful this time. Congratulations. Um, I, can't, I can't remember if this means that you retain your title... Or if Matt Reynolds mm-hmm. was that you do. Okay, no, you do remember. Yeah. Very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, I've got like a plaque at home. Good, good. Because we definitely don't <laughs> give one out. So that is that is homemade. Um, congratulations. 2021 Wired Podcast Quiz Champion. Um, we'll do another one of these uh, in a year. So if you enjoyed it, you're welcome. If you hated it, I'm very sorry. But there won't be another one for a whole year. Thanks so much for playing along everybody here and if you played along at home let us know podcast at wired.co.uk did you do better than amit's eight matt and amit's eight points um and would you have beaten them in the tiebreaker do you know how tall elon musk is podcast at wired.co.uk um with your podcast quiz scores or anything else that you want to get in touch with the show with the show about all right a couple of emails to wrap things up uh first up We've got an email from Arnaldo Amit. Yeah, that's right. So last week when I was um, hosting in your absence, I uh, outed myself as a non-tea drinker. And uh, Arnaldo wrote in to thank me for speaking out. He said, as an American, you can never understand the UK's fascination with tea. Um, He talks about Ted Lasso and his reaction to tea on the the TV show, which um, no one in Britain has watched because it's sort of... (laughs) 
it takes football and does things to it that I think are quite jarring to, to British ears. But um, he says the only tea that's popular in the US is uh, boba milk tea or bubble tea, and that there's even an emoji for it. That is not tea. That is a different drink. But thank <laughs> you very much for your email. Uh, and then we had one more from Dave, Matt Reynolds. That's right. We had an email from Dave who said, I've been listening to the Wired UK podcast for a couple of years now, and I enjoy the range of topics that you discuss. Although Dave can't be enjoying them that much because it turns out he's been listening to another podcast. And about that podcast, he says, I was struck by an interview I heard on the BBC Science in Action podcast with the director of the Institute in South Africa, in South Africa that detected the Omicron variant and alerted the world about it. He was really angry at the travel ban that the UK and other countries imposed on South Africa as a result, Dave writes. He asked, where are the offers of help? What about sending medical staff or vaccines? And he says that this uh, director can't get the reagents they need to do their work because these are transported as cargo on standard commercial flights. And Dave finished up by saying this raises the question, of why countries should collaborate with others if that collaboration is not respect, uh, retrospective. I, I, mean, I think it's a good point. I think that a lot of people and agencies have raised this point. I think the WHO's official stance is that travel bans are not an appropriate response to vaccine outbreaks because essentially, as you kind of alluded to, Dave, they can disincentivize countries from sharing data and perhaps from kind of getting the help they need. And I think a lot of people have made that point in the press that actually, by the time you put these bans in place, often the uh, variant is already out of the country. It's already established, as we see in the UK and Europe, and perhaps it ends up uh, creating more harm uh, than help. So yeah, really good, pay, uh, really good point. Thanks for writing in, Dave. Absolutely. Thanks to everybody that emailed into the show this week and this year. If you want to get in touch, it's podcast at wired.co.uk. We're going to be taking an extended Christmas break. I think we've all deserved it. The Wired podcast will be back in your ears on January the 21st. So we're away for a little over five or six weeks. Have a wonderful rest of the year and we'll see you all again in a few weeks' time. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.